can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work, determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Welcome to Hiya, the only podcast that lazily tied its coat and wound up getting arrested. <laughs> we can't be within 100 feet of a school building either. Anyway, <laughs> episode 33 of the Hiya podcast, recorded April 14th, 2013, starts now. There you go. Oh, hi, Craig. How's it going? Hi, Dave. Doing well. How you doing? You're practicing your Tai Chi, evidently. That's a... <laughs> Lazily about tying coats, a Tai Chi reference for those of you who didn't know. Yeah. More specifically, what style of Tai Chi, Dave? Uh, that would be Chong style. <laughs> yeah. Opposite. It's 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 opposite Ching style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. No, I just, you know, one thing uh, I love about martial arts in general is the colorful names that people come up with. For No joke. For, for the movements. Um, and it's I'm like sh- the freaking crane stance, man. You look it up in Chinese, and it's like du, Jing, Jing, Du Li Ma type thing. You know, the golden rooster stands upon one leg while shivering. You know, come on, dude. I prefer the translation, golden cock stands on one <laughs> leg. <laughs> I do, too. I do, too. Yep. Those are always great where they get the cock and the rooster. shing uh, <laughs> has got a fighting cock. Uh, uh, it, we'll have to discuss that with Big Al next time he's over. He is a fight. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a swordsman. Yeah, he is. And by the way, all you high high listeners out there, uh, Big Al's had a, a procedure recently. He's dealing with some back trouble. So uh, everybody, send him good vibes. Yes, indeedy. And it's and it's ironic. I found out he's you know had to go through a process that's actually a little bit more damaging rather than quote unquote healing to uh help take the pain off dealing like with uh numbing the nerves and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. scary stuff, man. <clears throat> scary stuff. Yeah, well, you know, getting old is scary stuff. <laughs> so I've experienced. <laughs> yep. I'm going to ask you to stay up on your mic just a little bit. I know more. you keep reaching for that thing. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, today on the show, yeah, what are we doing? Pad here. Well, we're going to have uh, some news from Craig. It's been a while on that. I hope you brought your A-game, a- a- Craig. You got some Red Tarzan for me? Oh, I don't think we'll ever have anything as epic as Red Tarzan, but close enough. Okay, good. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about a movie. I saw Ip Man, The Legend is Born, and frankly, I think I liked it more than a lot of other people did. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I think so, too. We'll get around to that in a minute. And uh, the big thing tonight, we've got an interview with uh, our guest will be uh, Chris. Uh, oh hell, I'm going to butcher his name. We'll have to. I've only spoken with him via Facebook <laughs> so far, <laughs> so I only have the spelling and not the wherewithal. Uh, Iatskovich, Chris Iatskovich. That's uh, probably somewhere nowhere near how it's actually know. pronounced. But uh, we'll get that from him. He's a, a, a practitioner and teacher of uh, catches catch can wrestling. Oh, very nice catch wrestling. All right, <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested to talk to him about this because this is one of those areas where I'm I'm just diving in the deep end and I really don't know much about this. You know, I've heard of Frank Gotch and some of the character, colorful characters from uh, from the 20th century and this stuff, but uh, uh, you know, I I've 
I've never been to one of these competitions. Never Me seen neither. it. Um, I like I know a lot of the though. MMA guys and uh, even the guys back in the UFC got their start in catch wrestling, but with a lot as with a lot of styles. But that's yeah. about it. So hopefully we'll find out a lot about him, about the 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 style or the conglomeration of things that they do, and uh, maybe he'll regale us with some colorful stories of the old days where these guys would barnstorm around the country and wrestle <laughs> anybody that got up in their business. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. I caught you, I wrestle you. Yeah, I mean, the only catch wrestling I ever did was when people would try to wrestle with me in school, I would run and tell them they had to catch me first. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and uh, damn it if they didn't. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, so we got a good show lined up. Uh, glad to be back with you listeners. Craig, you got anything else out here at the outset of the show you want to you wanna bring out? Mm, no. No. Okay. (laughs) Well, we're going to run off to the champagne lounge and get some inspiration. Yes, we are. All right. We'll be right back. some karate over here. Sam Hung, wasn't it? Yeah. The early years of the revolutionary master. Coming to theaters this fall, yo. Right about time E.T. I, comes out, I think. I think they meant last fall. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, it actually came out in 2010. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, let me get readjusted here. Folks, we're back from the Champagne Lounge. Uh, yes, we've we got a we got a few minutes before our guest is coming on, so we thought we'd go ahead and knock this little movie thing out of the way. Yeah. So, Craig, I know you watched... Uh, a hair splitting second of it, a little piece of it, yeah. Uh, when you walked in, you weren't you weren't real impressed, were you? <laughs> <laughs> how, how did I give that impression? <clears throat> yeah, but uh, I'm going to have to say I liked it. So you need to go back to the beginning and watch the whole thing. You know um, I will. Uh, if you want to get persnickety about oh, this doesn't belong here or whatever with the martial arts in it, then you're going to have probably a problem. But <laughs> they actually neat. addressed that in the fee- in the film. Oh, really? Yeah, they have uh, <clears throat> one of Ip Man's sons plays an old uh, plays Lung Bik, uh, who was one of the old timers. You mean the real Ip Man's sons? The real Ip oh, Man's okay. son, yeah, who's quite aged now but he, imagine that yeah he, he he uh has a nice little fight scene in this uh you know a little friendly fight scene where he tunes up uh the young it man um oh, okay and uh his whole thing where he uh tunes up the uh 
the young Ip Man uh, and chastises him about orthodox, you know, his uh, Ip Man saying, mine's authentic Kung Fu. Right. And, uh, the old man pulls some dirty tricks on him, a couple of high kicks and some other stuff that's not Wang Chun in scare right. quotes. And he calls the old guy on it and the old guy looks at me and says, anything comes out of my fist is Wang Chun. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody Wang Chun tonight, baby. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, um, I thought it was a ton of fun because it, it and if if you have an affinity for the old uh, 1990s style of kung fu movie. Old, he said. Yeah, well, it's getting to be old. Right. <laughs> Back when Jet Li was a whippersnapper. <laughs> uh, you know, if you got an affinity for that sort of, sort of stuff, this movie would fit right in with that. Cool. Um, it's got the, you know, it's got the overheated romantic subplots. It's got, uh, you know, the whole, uh, the, the ja- it's got the evil Japanese again, but oh, you know, considering the time period, I guess they can get away with that one. Right. Um, What's with the Japanese, man? <laughs> I've been watching all these Chinese movies and the Japanese are pretty much bad guys. I know. You just want to say, Hey, all you Japanese people, stop it. Chill out. Yeah. Man, relax. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Forget about that unified Asia prosperity zone. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's peppered all the way through with good fight scenes. It's got a bunch of the actors from back in the day that I like. It's got Samuel Hung. Lim Biao. Yeah. Who uh, is much older, and I didn't even recognize him. You had to say, you know who that is? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how much he's blindfolded and fighting in one scene. And it's, it's funny how much with a blindfold on, he mm-hmm. looks like Jet Li. Oh, wow. Because he's kind of got that same face and the little pock marks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> pock marks always give him away, though. But, you know, there's lots of fun fight scenes in this. It's not as gritty or trying to be as realistic as the Donnie Yen Ip Man films. That's what I called out on, yeah. Yeah. I was a little it's bit not, surprised. It's not trying to be that. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. There is a little bit of frou-frou wire work in there, but not enough to, to ruin it for you. Yeah. And no doubt, I, I even commented, Dave, when I was watching just the short clip, I said, wow, there's a couple of moves in there that I liked the, the bad guy, the quote-unquote traitor at the ending fight scene. Yeah, but don't give away who that is because no, it's a plot twist. But there's a, um, you know, there's a couple of moves he pulls off that are like stuff we straight up do in Northern Shaolin threw me off, you know. Um, but he was, Dave explained a little bit of it, and uh, it's very cool. But it looks like we might have to take a break here. Yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap this little mini segment up quickly uh, by just saying, I, you know, I, I give it uh, three and a half or four out of five stars. It, it's a good evening's worth of martial entertainment, and you can watch it with your girlfriend or your wife or whatever. And, you know, like some of those old 90s movies, there's enough yeah. plot, there's enough romance, there's enough stuff in there that, that makes it a fun experience all the way around. And, uh, you know... Give it a chance. And if you're a Wang Chunner, go watch this flick. I'm sure you'll love the heck out of it. Uh, Absolutely. Don't take anything in it as historical gospel, though. That's for sure. (laughs) Looks like it's a fun time, though. But they mix in all the elements of the period. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a good time. So, that's, you know. I I know I was a little bit down on uh, Man with the Iron Fist, so I wanted to come back with something (laughs) that I I really enjoyed. (laughs) Well, that's very cool. And And it sounds like it only made one person in the house cry, and that's great. Yeah. Yep. It wasn't me. No. <laughs> Poor Olin. <laughs> <laughs> he went to ride the choo-choo train today. Probably hated to leave it. Yep. So, yeah. So, I'm going to go uh, check on Smackety Pants, and we'll be right <laughs> back uh, to talk to our guest. Excellent.
right, folks, we've got Chris uh, Yatskovich. Uh, am I yeah, good. That, actually, that was quite good. <laughs> okay. Nice. You, you should have heard me in the intro to the show trying to fumble my way through it. I think I came up closer <laughs> to Ish Kabibble than anything else. <laughs> Well, that's how my wife still pronounces it, so. Okay, great. <laughs> Very cool. All right, Chris is a uh, catch wrestler, a coach, and he's going to school us today on the fine art of catch wrestling, which is something that I honestly, I have to admit, uh, I was just introduced to Chris a couple of days ago by uh, our fixer, Steve Kepfer, and uh, I haven't had time to do a ton of research on this, so it's, it's all going to be in your lap, Chris. You're going to have to educate us and the listeners at the same time. I hope that's okay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sweet. All right. Well, to start off, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal history and how you got into this uh, this strange and fascinating art of catch wrestling? Well, basically, um, I pretty much grappled, you know, uh, since I was a youth, you know, uh, freestyle wrestling. and Because we don't have folk style here in Canada. Okay. So, you know, even as kids, we just jumped right into freestyle, a little bit of Greco. And uh, through that, you know, I discovered a judo ensemble along the way and um, also did some boxing, kickboxing and so on. But um, what happened is back in 1995-96, I was training as, at this gym in Montreal. I was training a group of guys. Basically, what I was training them in was uh, basically freestyle wrestling, thrown in with a few submissions I picked up, you know, with the judo and the sambo. And uh, most of the guys were all doing MMA at the time. You know, it was a new sport, and they were all getting into it. Right. And um, at the gym was this old pro wrestler, uh, Edouard Carpentier, you know. And uh, I knew him from my youth, and I'd seen him on TV doing his pro wrestling stuff. And, you know, I never really gave a lot of mind to it because – because uh, all that stuff's fake, right? Exactly. For <laughs> <laughs> so I thought. Well, here's the thing is, you know, back in the day, well, like Eddie phrased it, and I think he phrased it really well back then. He said, uh, back in the day, he said, we were real wrestlers, but we just didn't wrestle for real. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Yeah, I said, that makes sense. Because, you know, I later found out uh, Eddie had been on – on the French Olympic team in gymnastics and was an alternate on the uh, French uh, wrestling team also. Hmm. Uh, he was a Greco wrestler wow. and uh, later on was introduced to pro wrestling, and uh, which basically was just submission wrestling. You know, he says uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, fake stuff being put out in it. And uh, through that, afterwards, they sent him out doing some carnival stuff throughout uh, Europe for two, three years, and, you know, that's where he, he, he made his trade. So anyways, long story short, what happened is he was watching me teach a class one night, and um, I was teaching the guys what I thought was a pretty cool, you know, headlock and leg locks and stuff like that. Right. And uh, so he, he called me, came up afterwards, and he was very politely, because he was very, very nice and polite, you know, about it, and he says, um... You know, basically, he says, what you're doing is all wrong. He says, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you want, I'll show you how we used to do it in my day. And I was like, listen, you know, he's, a, he's an old guy. He was, you know, when I met him, Eddie, back then, he was already like 70 years old. And, you know, I was brought up to be pretty polite with my elders, you know. So I said, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, sure, show me. And I kid you not, he put me in a front headlock. 
that cracked me from head to toe. Nice. <laughs> and like if that wasn't enough, then he side pushed ahead, went for a single leg takedown, brought me down and put me in this weird kind of like a half Boston crab type leg lock that whatever didn't crack on the first shot cracked <laughs> enough. And um Two weeks later, you know, because I had to get my, my freaking spine realigned after that. <laughs> uh, two weeks later, I wobbled back into the gym and I, I was like, you know what? Maybe there's something to this. And um, that's where it began. Cause, and, you know, we just, me and the guys started training with Eddie back then. And uh, what he was doing, basically, he was, he was, he was training pro wrestlers. Okay. But on the side, he, was, he would teach us, like, the old submission stuff, you know? Awesome. Now I, I got to Oh, I'm sorry. No, um, go on, please. I, I have to admit one of the, one of the couple of articles I did have a chance to read before we talked that you've got out there on the web. Uh, you're sort of telling that same story and you include a video of the headlock and I, uh, being performed by someone else and, uh, the call the Gravich or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I learned that exact same technique from my Bagua teacher. Yeah, really. <laughs> and the reason I it, he lifted it, I believe, from his training with uh, Steve Gohagen. Is, are uh, you talking not, about um, Tim Gohagen? Sorry, yeah. not Steve Gohagen. Are you talking about the same one that that we do? Even though I mean, it's completely a different style. But but front push with the belly, lift the, the yeah, face it's a of front the neck. face lock. Yeah, 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 <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Those things are awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what? Basically, from style to style, there's only so many ways you can, you know, move the body. Guys neck, basically, right. absolutely. You know? And like I said, I think he picked it up from an old, uh, you know, Tim Gahagan was a did Celtic wrestling and and oh, there we go, other stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure he does a lot of toe holds and face locks and stuff that, uh-huh, that definitely didn't pop out of the Bagua system. <laughs> well, I got to say, I, I love your intro story there, too, because even though it's far from Kung Fu, the style that you do, to me, that's a Kung Fu story. You know, it's that's beautiful. I love that story, man. <laughs> oh, well, cool. <laughs> it's right in with our feet of clay uh, motif. <laughs> yes, indeed. Moving on from that, um, tell us... Uh, Tell us about what catch wrestling is and isn't. Give, give people, maybe if you can, a little brief history of it as, as a sport and, uh, you know, the, the old traveling circus days sort of thing and and how it's evolved into modern times. Well, you see, here's where it gets kind of tricky because um, you'll talk to four different old timers, you know, from the catch wrestling uh, school and they'll all tell you a different story. You know, right? <laughs> of what it is, and you know, kind of well, not so much where it came from. That pretty much everybody, everyone agrees on that. But uh, what it basically is, you know, basically what happens is uh, back in Wigan, in Lancashire, in in, uh, in England, the, uh, they had the, what what they called was Lancashire wrestling. Okay, yeah, Lancashire, yeah, and. Uh, Basically, you know, it was oftentimes referred to as no whole barred wrestling. And uh, the problem being that uh, when it came down to the rules, most of the time, speaking to one of my, my, my mentors and coaches right now, Tommy Hayes, who's uh, from Wigan, and uh, he was telling me, he says, a lot of times the rules were decided beforehand before the matches. Hmm. You know, so they would vary from match to match. Oftentimes, you know, sometimes uh, there were no submissions. 
Sometimes it was uh, they'll they would include certain submissions, but no chokes, no toeholds. Uh, the length of time would sometimes vary. Also, was so, that for? I'm just curious. Um, was yeah. that for reason of the uh, the athletes or or fighters' um, abilities, or for a money thing, or do you have any oh, insight into that? I, I would say a lot of times it, it had to do with both, because you know you got to keep in mind that. Uh, there was a lot of money rolling around with these matches. Right. Uh-huh. So naturally, the backers wanted to uh, make sure their fighters would win. Like, uh, we had a fighter up here in Quebec, um, Eugene Tremblay, who was uh, on and off world champion, catch wrestling, uh, lightweight. And uh, oftentimes, he, he had a pretty good toehold, apparently. And it, oftentimes, during his matches, the toehold would be barred. <laughs> hmm. it's kind of even out you know some some stuff so i think that had to, a lot to do with what type of rules were being used also i think it also had to do with the venues uh some venues the public would prefer seeing uh straight up wrestling you know just pins right uh, other venues they wanted something a bit more clear cut you know so they wanted to uh make sure there was a clear winner and they would include some missions so it becomes very uh, kind of hazy when it comes to uh, the rules of catch wrestling. Well, there's always in the background of it, there's been this folk tradition and uh, that aspect of entertainment involved in it too, right? Well, that has to do probably with the fact of, um, well, Eddie was telling me, you know, when he used to, because basically what they did is when he came out of the pro wrestling school, they put him on a carnival circuit, you know, in Europe mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to kind of break him in before sending him out to do, you know, some real, real stuff. And uh, he was telling me, he said, you had to pace yourself because a lot of times if you would go out there and um, the first two or three guys you put your hands on, you'd finish them in 30 seconds flat. <laughs> there were no more guys. Would, <laughs> well, that's it. You know, nobody else would want to step up in the ring with you. So he that's says, not a lot good of times for the money. Had, kind of put on the show let the other guy kind of beat you a while this and that then turn the tables on him and yeah. uh you know so maybe that's where it comes from all that uh entertainment stuff you know yeah it sounds it's a callback to last episode with the sandbagging yeah true true i can see that in the sense that professional boxers will occasionally do where you lay back on somebody to get to so far into the round count you know <laughs> Well, there we go. Yeah, exactly. Same, same thing. Bring here. up the prize pool, make it more entertaining, bring up the drama intensity, all that good stuff. It's not just about the fight. Right. So that's it. You got to keep in mind that these people were not only doing it for sport, but this was a, their livelihood. So, you know, they, they had to make sure that the purses were coming in and the money was still flowing in and, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Were they generally employed by the carnivals and paid a salary, or were they wrestling for their pay directly? Actually, Eddie, from what I got from my coach, was that he was wrestling for his pay. Wow. So if he so, lost, it came out of his pocket, right? Uh, there was a there was a side uh, purse put up by his backer, but uh, I know I know there was. I don't have the full details on that, but I know there was something coming out of his pocket because it was telling me, he says, you know, you couldn't afford to lose. You know, he says, we're too <laughs> damn poor back then to afford to lose anything. So right, I think there right. was something coming out of their paycheck, their pocket. You know? Absolutely. So, you know, 
there's so many colorful characters that some of us have heard about that were associated with this, like uh, Farmer Gotch. Uh, <clears throat> Actually, that, w- that would be Farmer Burns. Farmer Burns, sorry, and Frank Gotch. <laughs> I, oh, I'm terrible today. I'm getting everybody's hey, name screwed up. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, tell us about Farmer Burns. Apparently, I don't know. Or Farmer Gotch. Jesus. Come on now, Dave. Let him tell <laughs> Actually, him one of his I'm out of practice. <laughs> One of his most famous student was uh, a man called Frank Gotch. Okay, yeah, that's where I was. Saying. Yeah, which is considered still considered today as one of the finest wrestlers we had in the 20th century. You know, Frank Gotch. Um, like, put up your actually, right? Farmer Burns was um, was a wrestler back in the early 20th century. I mean, Jesus, I, I, I can't even recall his exact record, but I, I can tell you something. Like, I think he's only lost like maybe. Five or seven matches in his life, or something like that. Hmm. I mean, he had quite a run going for him, and um, he wrestled well into his fifties. Wow! And nice. uh, trained a lot of famous wrestlers, guys like uh, Ad Santel and Frank Gotch, and so on. And you know, basically, if you came from the Farmer Burns school of wrestling, you know, you were something to to deal with. All right. And these guys would uh, would learn from anywhere, right? I mean, uh, I, I know uh, Gotch went to India at one point. If I if I haven't screwed that factoid up, um, well, that would be Carl Gotch. Carl Gotch, okay, gotcha. <clears throat> Got me again. Carl, <laughs> <laughs> of his real name, Carl Stas. Uh, he took the name Gotch, you know, in honor of Frank Gotch. And yes, he did. He did apparently go to India, learned uh, Kushti. Uh, Pilwani, which is uh, the uh, the traditional Indian style of wrestling. Yeah, with the- uh, very very fascinating stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, you, so there are elements of this the sport that come from all over the place, right? There's it, it, it's basically wide open, I guess, as catch wrestling, catch as catch can, <laughs> no holds barred. Well, you know, here's the thing: uh, catch as catch can was immensely popular here in North America. Uh, at the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, North America back then was such a melting pot, you know, of different cultures and so on. I mean, there was a lot of trading going on, you know, between wrestlers and fighters and so on. And uh, so, so it's very hard to say, you know, what is traditional catch as catch can, you know, I mean, if that even exists. Again, another reference to Kung Fu. We suffer the same thing in traditional Kung Fu stuff. (laughs) Exact same thing. Exactly. So many, you know, trading going on and, you know, swapping secrets and this and that. And, you know, since the guys were doing a lot of um, mixed matches, I mean, it was really popular, uh, like, again, at the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th, matches pitting uh, judokas against uh, wrestlers and you know and so on wow. so of course these guys were trading techniques you know they had to they, they had to, to, to survive basically you know well yeah you whip my ass how'd you do that <laughs> exactly exactly so you know who came up with what technique first or whatever it's very hard to tell sometimes but um uh, no there, there, there was a lot of uh, you know trading going on and i think it's very beneficial and it's it's very odd today that we see guys saying, "Well, this is you know this is traditional and this is not." And blah. 
Well, back then, all the guys were just openly just trading everything they could. Right. They were doing it day in and day out as a practical matter, not as some sort of, you know, they didn't have to, you know, pay tribute to their Sifu and keep no. everything, uh, you know, <laughs> just so. True, true. <clears throat> you know, you want to see the style evolve at some point, you know, like um, we, we, we had a lot of problems, you know, with uh, setting up rule sets, modern rule sets, if you want, with the catch as catch can, because uh, we've been holding tournaments, the ISWA I'm talking about, our group, um, we've been holding tournaments for quite some time now, and uh, we had to come up with a modern rule set, because, you know, if you look at the old rule set, like I said, a lot of times from venue to venue, they would change, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the most common format was uh, best of, of three falls with a one-hour time limit, you know, stuff like that. One hour. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the problem. I mean, if you – but these were championship matches, you know. Right. It was one match. Now, if you're holding a tournament and every damn match is going on for an hour, you've got a problem. Right. <laughs> you know? So we had to cut things down. So basically we – uh we cut it down to, uh, you know, we started playing around with 15 minutes per round. Then, you know, we cut it down to 12, 10, you know. And, I mean, it, it, the whole thing was just too damn long. I and mean, even at 15 minutes per round, you're still looking at a worst-case scenario. They go all three rounds. You're looking at a 45-minute match. Yeah. Add to that the three minutes they have, you know, breaks in between. You're up to 48 minutes, so round it off to 50 minutes per match. I mean, that that's just nonsense. Plus, what happens is the action just goes down. Right. I mean, nobody can wrestle actively for more than five, six minutes without then starting to pace himself. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, Muscles get you know, tired and everything. Guys, well, exactly. I mean, and then if both guys start pacing themselves, what are you stuck with? A boring freaking match. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, you know, we, we had to come up with rule sets that would, uh, you know, just add a little bit more action to the um, to the matches. Right. You know? So what are the, the modern modern rules for this? Well, listen, I, I can't speak for, for every other group out there. but Sure, uh, sure. The ISWA rule said, basically, in a nutshell, is we've got a best out of three with a pinfall or submission. And uh, the the rounds are four minutes each. Um, If there's a draw at the end of the third round, uh, what we do is we start adding a a point system. Okay. Which which is very simple. Basically, you know, we give a point for everything. It's like one point for a takedown, one point for a submission attempt. One point for a near fall that is putting the shoulders near the mat where the guy could have been pinned, you know, and one point for a reversal. Uh, just to make sure that these these matches don't drag on endlessly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, like I said, in a nutshell, that's that's our rule set right there. You know? What tactics are allowed and, and what aren't? Um, there's no striking, right? Well, there's no deliberate striking, but <laughs> yeah, because it's very... Okay, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> the thing is, is uh, I learned, you know, training with Eddie, there was this, uh, one of his assistants, Tito Senza, his name was, was uh, a guy who wrestled in Japan for quite some time and uh, was just a big dude, really, just huge, and 
probably not the most technical wrestler I ever met in my life, but just the dirtiest one though. <laughs> and uh, the the underhanded dirty tactics he would teach us were just really nasty. And I can tell you for a fact that there's a lot of striking going on in wrestling. It's just that most of the time you just don't see it. Yeah. Nice. You know? So, uh, so no, there's no deliberate striking. And if we catch somebody, you know, like I said, deliberately doing it over and over, then, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be disqualified, you know? So striking is out naturally, no eye gouging, no fish hooking. So you can cheat, but you just got to be good at it. You got to be really good at it. <laughs> Sounds good. And let me ask you this, uh, and for the benefit of our listeners and also myself, uh, when you were mentioning the rules at the beginning, you mentioned something about pinfalls. Uh, would yes. you mind uh, describing what that means to okay, the uneducated? Yeah, that, that's basically just holding the, the guy's shoulders down to the mat for a three-second count. Oh, Okay. Okay. Like the classic wrestling pin you'd see on the WWE or whatever. No, please, no. Oh, God, no, please. <laughs> Dave Just went kidding. there, Craig did not. Just calling it. No, here's the thing. is, uh, And I, I think a lot of people do refer to, to that when they think of pinfalls. And they kind of uh, brush it off as being uh, a bit useless and yeah, having why? no beating. If the, you the referee turns his back up. and, yeah. Yeah, and... But, you know, if anybody's done any type of collegiate wrestling or whatever, knows that a pinfall is is usually very painful. <laughs> and, uh, you know, basically what you're going to be doing is tying the guy up in a knot and then rolling him onto his shoulders and right. holding him there. And the logic behind it is if I can hold you for three seconds, I could probably hold you there for three hours if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Or break something oh, while you're down there and exactly, get up and walk away. Exactly. Right. So basically, since I've in cat, you know, I I put you in a position where you cannot defend yourself anymore, you cannot move, you cannot, you know, get out of it. Well, fight's over, you know. Yeah. So that's just one way for us to, you know. So naturally, that's why in in catch wrestling matches you won't see guys pulling guard or stuff like that. I don't know if you're familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you won't see a lot of that going on because basically, if I pull guard. And, you know, I don't know, try a triangle choke on you from my back. Well, I'm basically pinning myself. Yeah, right. Gotcha. So, yeah. So there's a lot of action going on. There's no bottom. There's not a lot of bottom wrestling going on. You know, everybody wants a fight to be on top all the time. It's very dominating. You know, uh, it's very fast paced, dominating and aggressive. But it's not stupid aggression, though. You know, right. Um, another thing, you guys, uh, they uh, allow small joint locks. Is that correct? Yes, we do. Uh, wrist locks are allowed, toe holds, um, you know, stuff like that is, yeah, absolutely. Lip locks? <laughs> Craig. <laughs> That's my special style. <laughs> Tell you what, if you can pull it off, why the heck not? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, uh, and does that include finger locks and some of your people getting fingers and toes broken occasionally doing this? Well, actually, uh, we got a rule, you know, it's a three finger minimum rule. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. You cannot grab, you know, below three fingers and it can be used to either, uh, break a tie or, you know, maybe bring the guy's arm behind his back or stuff like that. But you cannot really use the fingers to try to submit the guy. Okay. You know? It would just lead to too many 
you know, injuries and so yeah, on. You can easily snap one of those puppies just, you know, exactly. without a ref seeing it. Yeah. You know, we, we, we want to avoid stuff like that. Awesome. But again, you know, coming from, uh, you know, the cat dressing background, you learn early on to always hide your fingers when you're wrestling. Nice. Yeah. Cause the guys had a tendency, well, especially the old school guys like Eddie would have a tendency to just grab any random two fingers and pull them <laughs> apart, you know? Yeah. So, again, Kung uh, Fu. Well, there we go. Yeah. So it was very unpleasant and you just learned very early on to hide those, you know? Right. <laughs> Keep your fingers to yourself. There um, we go. So, um, and, uh, so how, how big is, how big is catch wrestling nowadays? Uh, you know, uh, I know it peaked, uh, probably in late 19th, early 20th century, as far as popularity with the general public. But, uh, are, are you getting a lot of people interested in this sport and competing in it now? Well, listen, it, it, it's, it's still very much, uh, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's not big yet. It's not big yet, you know, but there is a lot of interest in it. I think people are are slowly turning, well, especially wrestlers are more and more turning towards it. Uh, you know, they're starting to realize that there's a venue for them after wrestling. Uh, you, you know, if you if you take your your average wrestler who would want to turn to MMA, well, he doesn't need to turn to jujitsu anymore for his submissions, you know. Right. I mean, and this is a lot more along the lines of what he's always been training for, you know, mm-hmm. wrestling with, with dominant takedowns and top dominant positions and so on. Plus the added bonus of having submissions, you know? Yeah, true. A lot of guys are turning, you know, a lot of wrestlers are, are slowly turning towards it. And, um, you know, a lot of MMA fighters are training in it. Yeah, I've heard even like uh, Shamrock was uh, a catch wrestler for a period of time. Well, so, a lot, of, yeah, a lot of the Japanese trained uh, fighters uh, were doing some form or another of catch wrestling, basically. Wow, Very minus cool. the pins, you know. Yeah, what um, <clears throat> was uh, things like Shuto and that sort of stuff? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That was all influenced by you know the that was all basically catch wrestling based. You know, you had the Pancrase Leagues, Shudo, and so on. They, oh, they were yeah, all yeah. catch wrestling based. Very cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if, so if you start doing a roster, of, you know, everybody who came out of those camps, well, you you find out that, oh, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of catch wrestlers out there actually fighting, you know? Yeah. It's it's tough to tell because, like, with MMA, it's MMA. I mean, it's mixed, you know, and, and so it's tough to narrow it down. But if you look at their history, you'll find quite a lot of the – you know, famous fighters, if you would, uh, got their start either in catch wrestling or it's part of their curriculum, or, you know, their arsenal. Uh, they just might not label it as such. No, exactly. Well, you know, a lot of guys will refer to it as submission fighting, submission mm-hmm. wrestling, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And, uh, but, you know, if you're talking about purists, though, no, there's not a lot of us out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're... We're trying to, you know, we're we're pushing, we're making it grow. It's like I said, it's really catching on. It's really coming along, but uh, we're still in in its infancy stage right now, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, hopefully it'll continue to grow because one of the one of the good things about MMA is that it's uh, it's matured enough at this point that it's starting to cast a lot of light on other arts where people are going to gain some advantage in MMA. Well, look. 
just just here in Quebec, um, back back when I was in high school, we probably had something like I don't know, maybe fifty or sixty odd wrestling clubs throughout the province. Um, a few years ago, I would say there was probably like seven of them left. Wow. Yeah, what it, it all died out. But um, with the with with, uh, with MMA and the way it's catching on and so on, more and more people are now turning towards wrestling. You know, because they realize that oh, you know, if you want to be a good MMA fighter, wrestling is a must. So there's a lot of people flocking back to the wrestling gyms now. I can you know? see that so, splash effect. Initially, the MMA and UFC started drawing people's interest away from other arts. Um, but as you know, it gained in popularity, more people seeing it and, and fights start to turn out different than people expected. Uh, then you start to see these other styles. People are starting to trickle back in over time, realizing the value of them. Yeah. And, and I think they're, the fighters today are realizing that they need to specialize. You cannot. Oh, my God. Maybe I'll, I'm, I'm going to piss some people off right now. But hey, that's, that's what how we do. We do. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> Here, here I go. Um, I, I do not believe in the MMA format in the sense that I don't believe in people teaching MMA as a style. Because here's the problem with that. Jack uh, and, of all trades, master me, of none. I, yeah, I, I've seen it a lot. You know, So basically what happens is the guy walks into the gym, does his warm-up, does maybe like 15 minutes of boxing drills, 15 minutes of takedown drills, 15 minutes of ground drills, so basically, he's mediocre in everything. Yeah. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't work. So basically, what the guys are doing now is they're starting to specialize a lot more. So they'll go to the wrestling clubs. They'll go to the Muay Thai instructor. They'll go to, you know, to, to the boxing coach and put in the work, you know? And uh, that's why, you know, we're seeing the level of fighters. is, is tremendous today. You know, it's uh, yeah, and incredible. All the, all the high-level guys that are doing it do have some sort of specialization if you look at them close enough, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the bulk of their skill is in the stand-up striking or in takedowns or in, you know, in whatever system they've spent the most time on. And, and, and they play around that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And they just have the rest of the stuff for context-sensitive, you know, scenarios. Yeah. That's that's great, you know, but I, I completely agree with you. You know, I, I have much respect for the MMA industry, um, but at the same time, I do see a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of scenario happening, um, you know, if, if, if young bucks aren't aware of the fact that, yeah, you do need to kind of specialize to your strengths. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, 15 minutes of, of each per day will not cut it. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've been... You know, wrestling, I've been grappling for 30 odd years now, and I'm, you know, I, I'm still learning it. So, you know, what are you learning in 15 minutes at your class? I mean, <laughs> he's a master, I tell you. I mean, I, I, and I think part of that's just, you know, this happens to any martial art or martial sport that gets enormously popular. Is, yeah. you know, when it, when it sort of spreads out that far and wide, you the average club tends to kind of go downhill a little bit. And the average practitioner goes downhill a little bit, or maybe yeah. in the case of Tai Chi, they go way downhill. <laughs> it's but, called overgrowth, and you know what you do with that. I'm sorry, what'd you say? 
I said I wouldn't know about Tai Chi, but I'll, I'll take your word on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's it's that thing, you know. There's still plenty of guys, or uh, there are still guys and gals who can actually fight and defend themselves using it, but it's not taught that way so much anymore. You know, no, the yeah, numbers of that is just so dwindling, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of people that are keeping MMA popular right now, or you know, weekend warriors and people that are never going to compete, but they go to the gym to get healthy, so they're perfectly content with 15 minutes of this and then 15 minutes of that. You know, and, and they- you know what? And God bless him. You know what? In that context, I love it because yeah. it is it, it is a tremendous workout. And I mean, there's a complete workout for you. You know, you're doing a little bit of wrestling, boxing. This, I mean, it's 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 wonderful. If you want to get in shape, uh, if you want to be a fighter, now that's something else. You know, and that's what I was getting to is that, you know, because I train a lot of MMA fighters, pro and amateur. And, you know, I tell them, I said, you got to put in the time. You got to come to the wrestling club. You got to put in the time with the boxing coach. You know, you can't just dabble in each, you know, once in a while. It, it will not do. Right. Let me ask you about that. <clears throat> just from your experience. What have you noticed to be perhaps a, a successful formula for that? That granted, um, we we agree there needs to be a, some specialization. But let's say the guy um, he's already specialized in some form of grappling or wrestling or what have you. But he's going to a match. He needs to be a stand-up fighter. Needs to be striking and stuff. And so, would you suggest that that the better ideal would be to? kind of master his wrestling, get his wrestling grappling game down, and then after that's done, move on to the striking or mix it up, you know, kind of the way MMA is trying to do? How would you suggest, you know, that work out for the best of the practitioner? Okay. Um, naturally, a lot of coaches out there and a lot of different ways of coaching, and, you know, they've pretty much all been proven to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way we do it at my gym is, let, let's say for an example, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of my fighters, Alex Laramie, basically was a boxer, very good boxer, and he had no no ground game at all, no wrestling and no ground game whatsoever. Uh, decided that he wanted to get into MMA, so I said, "Well, listen, let's work what you got. You've got really good hands. You want to stay on your feet. So what we'll work on in the beginning is." Take down the fence mm-hmm. so you can stay on your feet. And if ever you do wind up on the ground, how to get back up quickly. Mm, you know? Right. Now, once we've got that down, you know, to a queue, then we'll start adding in some takedowns. Then we'll start adding in some ground game. Then, you know, so basically you take what the guy's got and work around it, you know? So you, you don't take him out of his element. If I, if I have a really good wrestler and he wants to do MMA, I'm going to teach him how to do. Uh, basically just how to counter boxers, mm. you know, how to use his wrestling to counter boxers. And then, you know, we'll work on his striking and so on. Gotcha. Know? Makes sense. And, and, and I think it's just a very simple way of, you know, doing, doing things. Cause like I said, you're not taking the guy out of his element and he knows, he now has a sense of direction. He knows where he wants to be during the fight. You right. know? He's yeah. good on his feet. Well, stay on your feet, you know? I like that. It's a, You see something kind of similar in a lot of traditional systems where, <clears throat> you know, somebody comes in and maybe they're six foot three and 280 pounds. You're going to let that guy throw his weight around, you know? Yeah. You're not going to try to make him a super finesse guy right out of the box. You just inch toward that, but, but cater to his strength at first. 
And, you know, if you got somebody that's uh, five foot nine and 140 pounds, then, you know, you're going to try to tailor it to their agility or whatever their natural abilities are coming in. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, so that's a format we use at our gym anyways, you know. No, it sounds good. Um, yeah, and I was saying, you know, when it comes down to wrestling, uh, you know, we have a very a very simple, a very basic curriculum. You know, it's, it's very... You know, we have a set curriculum uh, um, at different levels, you know, beginners, intermediate, advanced, and so on. But we keep it simple, you know, as simple as possible. Well, you guys know, you, you know, you do traditional martial arts. It's the basic stuff that works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, 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 we keep it down to, you know, the core elements and, uh, you know, then we have them play around, around it, but basically... If you look at the curriculum the guys are using, it's very simple. It's very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fundamental? I don't know. Yes, thank you. There Please. you go. <laughs> Sorry, I had a long day. Just came back. Uh, we, we had a tournament today, so, yeah, it was ah, a very long day. Cool. Now, were you just coaching? We or were you... by the way. I'm sorry? I said we kicked ass, by the way. Congrats. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Didn't want to ask unless, you know. <laughs> That's sweet. Well, I, I'm very happy about that because our guys are doing very well in tournaments. And I think that's – anyways, for my part here in Quebec, Canada, that's how we got people interested in what we're doing is the fact that we went out there and won. Mm-hmm. Ah, so make a name for they, yourself. Yeah, so they had to take notice, you know. Uh, a lot of people would snicker at first because, you know, they associated the catch wrestling with the pro wrestling or whatever. And uh, – you know, they didn't really take us seriously. Plus, you know, our guys were going to jujitsu tournaments wearing wrestling singlets, and they're like, "What the heck?" You know? <laughs> but you know, right, now uh, can they would have to compete in the nogi, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that yeah, yeah, similar that to a nogi? Or? Yeah, a wrestling singlet in a gi tournament would have been just wrong. Right. <laughs> so, how, do they do well at the at the jujitsu tournaments and stuff too? Well, here's the thing. Here, well, here's another thing I, I find very interesting about catch wrestling is the fact that my guys compete in freestyle wrestling. Mm-hmm. They compete in pro and amateur MMA. They compete in submission grappling. They compete in jujitsu tournaments, and they win. You know, it's it's a very versatile system. Well, because the formula works. You know, basically. If you look at the formula, you know, the, uh, of catch wrestling, what it is is you take the guy down, you get a top dominant position, and you hold him there. Yeah. And whether you're doing freestyle, jujitsu, MMA, or whatever, that formula will make you win. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that, you know. So yeah. yeah, our guys just kick ass everywhere they go. I mean, I, I it sounds like a, you know I'm bragging, but. Uh, I'm not, you know, we've got the records to prove it. Our guys, everywhere they go, they win. That's awesome. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you said earlier is uh, Uh, going back to fundamentals. You know, and and us being in traditionalist, you know, the moves we do in our average class are completely different from what you guys do. Um, But we cross lines a lot of times with grappling type stuff. But the key, again, is just what you said is, you know, the fundamentals, you know, if you're up there trying to look fancy and say, oh, look, I can do this fireman's carry when it's completely inappropriate or whatever, you know, you're going to get slammed. You, you just are, you know, it's, 
you've got to have your root under you, you, you know, all this good stuff. And I love to hear that you guys are winning because it sounds like to me, I don't care if you're talking about karate, wrestling, any kind of wrestling, grappling, you know, sword fighting, whatever. The fundamentals, so long as you've got those down ingrained in you, you're going to be pretty good. Exactly. And and here's the thing is um, I, I probably picked that up from, from my coach, my original cash wrestling coach, Eddie, is the fact that you didn't really – you know, all in all, it, he, he probably didn't teach me a lot of new techniques. Um, what he was teaching us was a lot of principles, mm. you know? Yeah, it sounds very principle-based, what you guys do. I love it, it. Exactly. It was all about, here's how you get proper leverage. Here's how you get proper posture and keep it, and you know, and so on and so on. And that's what makes your game, you know? It's, it's not the technique you're using. It's how you're using it. Exactly. Um, and, and I see a lot of people fighting and, you know, naturally I've been coaching for quite some time now. So I'm very critical, you know, sometimes when I watch people wrestle and, 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 and you know, grapple and most of the time I look at them and they're just simply out of position. They're always in violation of position all the time, you know, and, and they're trying to make it work, but you know, they, they, they can't get their arm bar to work because they're just out of position. Right. Improper you know, structure, so, what would we call it? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so our guys, a lot of times, they go into tournaments, and uh, if you ask them how many techniques they know, Jesus Christ, they probably know like four techniques, you know? There yeah. you go. Like, yeah, two two takedowns and, you know, two, two positions on the ground. But they know all the, the elements to them. They know all the principles to them. They know how to stop a guy from clinching with them and how to clinch properly with a guy. They know how to hold him down properly without getting turned over, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. They, they can vary that one technique into a million different ones depending exactly. on the circumstance. So y'all are so kung fu, don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, show me the technique you've practiced 10,000 times, not not the 10,000 10, techniques you've practiced once. Exactly, there you go. Like, I remember one of my guys, uh, Mathieu Long, I'm very proud of this kid, and um, he went into his first uh, grappling tournament. He'd been wrestling with me for, I don't know, maybe five or six months. And um, being a young kid, I think he's not aware of what, you know, what's going on really. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go in the advanced division. So I'm like... (laughs) Why the hell not? Yeah, you know? jump in I there. Mean, That's a lose, learning experience. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I I tend to get all my guys to do that. You mentioned sandbagging before. Um, I have a profound hatred of that. It's it's. I find that you know very insulting. Actually, as a coach, I find it very uh, dangerous too for the fighters. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I remember this one guy. My guy goes in there. He had been training for a few months, and he's getting thrown left and right from this guy. And this is like the beginner's division. And I'm looking at the kid. I'm like, oh, hold on a second. You know, I can recognize the Tayotoshi and, the, you know, all the judo throws and so on. Mm-hmm. So I get talking to the guy afterwards, and he's like, yeah, yeah, this is my first jiu-jitsu tournament and so on. So I said, but you've done judo before. He says, yeah, yeah, I've done 14 years of judo. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? And, and I just see that cheater. Yeah, well, exactly. It comes know? in in the white belt division, though. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, and I see that all the time. So I always try to get my guys to. I tell them, listen, you know, 
at least go in the intermediate division or, you know, if, if you got the balls for it, go in the expert division. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just for example, uh, recently we had Naga. I don't know if you're familiar with um, North American Grappling. Absolutely. Steven tuned yeah. us up on that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a very big grappling tournament. And uh, they came down to Montreal and uh, I had two guys – uh, went in, uh, we're supposed to be a whole team, but only two guys can make it. So anyways, we go <laughs> there and one guy's a novice. He's been training with me for less than a year. And, uh, the other guy is Matthew Allow, the, the kid I was talking about before. I'll get to his story <laughs> afterwards. Sorry. <laughs> and, right. uh, so basically he's been wrestling with me for about, I'd say, uh, two years. And so basically that would put them in the novice and beginners or intermediate division. Okay. Mm-hmm. They both decided to go into the expert division and both came out with a silver medal, you know, around their neck. And I was like, <laughs> Sweet. Well, there you go, guys. You know, there well, you go. You're, you're going to learn so much faster playing up to more skilled people than playing exactly. down, laying around, snaking the grass, you know, poaching medals because, you know, you're in the beginner division and shouldn't be. Yeah, it's dishonorable, it's cheating, it, you know, you're being a douche when you play like that in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. You know, there, there's no honor in it. And basically, you can you can tell, you know, who's been doing it for a while and not. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's, there's just something wrong with it, but you know, it's very hard to keep a track of, of these things sometimes, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we we actually talked about all the multiple faces of sandbagging for about an hour on the last episode. <laughs> it's, Steve, yeah, I heard that. That was a good show, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. It was good enough you did, you actually agreed to come on, so I guess that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so here's a question I have for you. Um, yes. Is is this uh, is this art? I mean, and this is going to sound weird, so let me make sure I phrase it correctly. Um, it's a sport, and you know, yeah. most of what you do is geared towards sporting. Uh, do you do much self defense teaching? I mean, I know you can use all these tactics in self defense situations, but do you employ any of that, or do you guys stick mostly to you know the sporting context uh, with it? You know what, um, catch wrestling. From the get-go, has always been a sporting event, mm-hmm. and that's how we teach it. It's a sport, and uh, you know the guys who training in it. Well, anyways, most of our guys are very competitive, and uh, no, we don't do a lot of self-defense. I mean, actually, we don't do any self-defense stuff. Gotcha. You know? And uh, I, I'm not saying that to like, oh, well, they don't do self-defense, so it's not a real martial art or whatever. I, I, and I'm keenly aware that anybody that competes as a grappler or wrestler or any kind of competition sport martial art has the skill set to defend themselves, you know? Well, yeah, no, that's a huge topic I've seen, uh, you know, on the forum boards and stuff like that is, you know, sport versus martial arts because they, you know, a lot of times this comes up from the MMA versus TMA, traditional versus yeah. modern mixed. Um, and one of the, the biggest arguments is not so much, um, you know, self-defense versus not, but rather the training methodology. Um, well, here's the, and that's the here's great the thing. thing with sportive. Because here's what I believe. Uh, anyways, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm just not a self defense guy. I've I've never really. I mean, I've I've done some in the past, but it's not it's not my thing. So I'm not yeah. an expert on the subject. So if, if I'm off base, just tell me to shut up and I'll shut up. No, no, but, no. <laughs> um, I think and and 
based on my experience, I, I, I worked for nearly 12 years in bars as a bouncer. And based on my experience, I think it has a lot more to do with your attributes than the techniques in themselves. Yes. You know? Right. The attributes you get from doing a sporting uh, um, a fighting art, uh, you know, the, the timing you'll get. The uh, sensitivity, the, the conditioning. The conditioning, the, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. will go a long way uh, in a self-defense situation. Yeah, oh, it's huge, huge. A lot of times when you go to what's called a self-defense seminar or stuff like that, the the techniques may be very well valid and very cool, you know. But it's a freaking seminar. You're not going to teach anybody how to react under pressure, how to deal with pain but still keep going, and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you're not teaching that yeah. st- structure and sense of distance and timing and stuff that you only get through swapping paint one way right. or another, whether it's you know competition or sparring or you know heavier stuff in whatever class you're doing. Yeah, and and, and I, I often have problems with, uh, you know, can only imagine the hate mail I'm going to get tomorrow. But, uh, <laughs> Nobody listens to this. It's fine. <laughs> we always love to ruffle feathers. Just between you and me, then. Okay. Uh, uh, my problem is is with the, um, I don't know, you know, people claiming, oh, well, you see, when you do the arm lock this way, you'll snap this forearm. And I'm like, Okay, and how many forms have you snapped? Exactly. Uh-huh. What is this based on? How do you know? You, you cannot know, you know, because you can't. these are things you cannot apply on a day-to-day basis. Unless you're Why? good at dodging the law because you're going to have to kill people or hurt people really bad. I mean, you know. Yeah, and there's only so many holes you can dig in your backyard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that a, that a good traditional mar- traditional martial art does have going for it is ostensibly anyway, the techniques and the tactics and the training methods they evolved uh, evolved during a time when people were like you know being bodyguards and caravan guards yep. and and soldiers and people you know who did use it, but we're so far away from that with a lot of it that it's. Uh, the bane of traditional martial arts now is that people still have this suite of techniques, but they don't have the kind of intensive training and they get, and I see it in grappling now too, frankly, with the explosion of the MMA, people get so fiddly about the next technique or the next fancy thing or that they sort of, they neglect these fundamentals that are what will really bail you out. One thing that bothers me a lot when I, when I look at grappling and the way it's evolving right now, it's like, I think that the focus is on, uh, who can come up with the the most intricate way of getting into the armbar instead yeah. of just getting into the armbar? <laughs> right. You know, it's like, entertainment value is being valued more than the oh, actual. You know. I mean, do I really need to spin three times on my head before <laughs> the, the, the toe hold? For you, actually, I think that's true. I think you do <laughs> need to actually. Or do I really need to jump? into the cage first and off of that before I kick you in the face. Now, don't oh, get me that's wrong. that's a callback for a real fight. I remember that. It's gorgeous when it happens and everybody goes, whoa, but you know, it's not, it's not taking the, the art any further. I don't think. No, no, absolutely not. You know, I mean, I see a lot of things that to me in grappling and I, just today, you know, I was watching some of the guys wrestle. Well, wrestle, I, I won't call it that. It, it wasn't wrestling, but, um, and half of the stuff they were doing just didn't make sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, why is he, why is he turning that? I mean, what is he doing? You know, <laughs> I was just watching and I was scratching my head like, why are you spinning on yourself? 
when you've got a direct line of attack right there, you know? Yeah. So it's just becoming very watered down, very complicated, you know? Yeah. And with the I whole self defense thing, you know, whether you're doing a sport or a quote unquote traditional martial art that's supposedly about self defense, you know, you're going to spend hours every week training your martial art. And you may spend five minutes if you're, you know, a Westerner like us that lives in, you know, North America actually fighting for your life. Yeah. And when that time comes, you know, you'll bring everything you have to bear on it anyway. So, well, you know. Yeah, and, and by that time, all hell breaks loose. And, you know, just, just an example, uh, uh, you know, um, what can, uh, geez, I don't even know if I should be saying this on. Um, You're fine. On, uh, You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if there's anything you don't want us to let out there, we'll cut it out. But go ahead and tell us, right? Okay. Well, I, you know, I was working a bar once and um, I got into a scuffle, you know, with a guy, you know, just the guy just got rowdy and I needed to take him out of the bar. So, um, you know, we started getting to a pretty heated argument and, you know, I lean over his shoulders and there was like his friends just backing him up, you know? Yeah. So I am backing up towards the door and eventually I grabbed this ashtray and just smashed it in his face. There you go. <laughs> and and um, Jackie Chan up on it. Yeah, well, and one of my friends came up to me and he's like, with all the years of fighting you've been doing, this is what you come up with? And I'm like, yeah, man, whatever works. It's not fancy. It just works, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's that's just what you were saying earlier that I that I absolutely love is that it's principle-based. And <laughs> it's like you saw the opportunity, the window of opportunity, and you, you found it and you went for it. And that's what you do, man. That's what real life and death is about, you know, outside of a sport. Sport just makes it more fun and challenging to up your game a little bit. But, yeah, and, and that's why I think, you know, of, of all the arts I've done, because, you know, I've, I've dabbled in, you know, quite a good number of grappling arts and so on. I stuck with catch wrestling because that's what I found in. Not, not that it's, like I said, overly aggressive and I'll smash an ashtray in your face every time I see you. No, <laughs> just on special occasions. <laughs> your birthday, perhaps. Yeah, you know, just for that special moment every once in a while. Right. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's very straight to the point. And it's logical, and it, 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 it's a smart system, you know? Yeah. We make it work. I, I will not be chasing your arm for half an hour or wait for you to give it to me. I will make you give it to me. Right, And, right. you know, in cash wrestling, we have a lot of ways of making people do what we want them to do. See, that's but a skill in and of itself right there. Tell me more about that. How yeah, Bagua. <laughs> it's good. Well, uh, I, I, I find the, the setups um, – in, in catches and are very, very sophisticated, very, uh, you know, if I want the guy to turn right, we, we can make him turn right. If I want him to go left, he's going to go left. Um, the thing is everything, it's, it's not the technique, it's the setup. It's the principle behind mm -hmm. it. You know, mm -hmm. I don't care how good your hip throw is. If you can't, place the guy properly, get him off balance, put him on his toes, you know, get that lead leg back and so on. You will know it will not go anywhere. That yeah. hip throw will not work. So it's not the hip throw that really counts. It's the setup. Right. Uh, so, you know, if I want you to give me your arm, let's say, well, we will use, uh, we use a lot of, you know, what we call pain compliance, you know, pressure points and yeah. this and that. And we will make you give us the arm. 
or I will just block everything. Uh, I will block your hips. I will block your, your legs, your head, etc., etc. So basically all you're left with are your arms. Now you're going to start working with those. Thus you're giving them to me. I'm, you know, I'll use them against you. So, you know, it, it, People see cash dressing sometimes as, as this very um, brutal and aggressive art when actually it's one of the most intelligent uh, art I've ever studied. It's it's very, very sophisticated in its setups. Leading into the void. <clears throat> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It it does sound very – I mean, I, I'm not terribly surprised, but I'm a little bit surprised at how sophisticated it does sound. I think there's been – whole generations of Americans who have just confused things like catch wrestling with, you know, the, the show wrestling and the, yeah. and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, I mean, does, I, I know that stuff is huge business. Does it ever just piss you off that it's there? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It does because, well, don't get me wrong. I've got nothing against these guys. They're tremendous athletes and I have a world of respect for them. No, you know, some when, of them are like stuntmen par excellence, you know. Well, oh, my God, they're incredible. <clears throat> I mean, when I was working with Eddie and we were learning, you know, the submission wrestling, the catch wrestling, you know, I, you know, we saw what kind of training these guys were going through. And, I, you know, hats off to them. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to be a pro wrestler. Actually, Eddie, you know, asked me once if I, if I wanted to try my hand. And I said no, because I, I couldn't pull it off. You know, it's very hard work. Yeah, it's like being a stand-up comedian breaking into that business. You got to travel and fight all the time, and you know, and you get your ass kicked on top of it. So, <laughs> but you make some bank. You know, you know, I, I I have a lot of respect for them, but it also annoys me because every time I, you know, I, I'll be talking to people and they say, "Well, so what do you do?" I say, "Well, I'm a wrestler," and you know, first thing they say, "Well, you know, Roddy Rowdy Piper." <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like, where's your cape? It's like, it's <laughs> where's your cape? I Bring love it, it. on, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Nacho Libre. That does suck. But I, I got to admit, we're in the same boat because we do traditional Chinese, you know, Kung Fu stuff. And, and people we, come to us expecting to be taught how to fly and run across the tips of bamboo. Yeah, with all the movie <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's, it sucks. And, and when they realize that it's... All this fancy stuff is nothing but a few fundamentals strung together so long as you have your principles... You know, they're like, oh, no, I want to fly, dude. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 you guys don't do that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, you know, not in public. <laughs> <laughs> That's our secret stuff. That That's we, right. Yeah. That's only for the initiated. <laughs> and I don't think we're still initiated yet. <laughs> no, not a bit. But, but you know what? At, at the same time, we're guilty of that because, you know, it's, um, how can I say the pro wrestling did evolve. I mean, pro wrestling is catch wrestling, you know, mm -hmm. at, at, at its core. So, you Bastardized know, a bit, but yeah. Yeah. You know, so we, we let it become what it has become. So we can't complain too much about it because it's our own fault, you know? Yeah, same here. As much as we hate people, you know, thinking they're going to fly or, you know, turn triple backflips and stuff like that. Uh, it brings them in the, the door. The, the movies are what drive people into it in the first place. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky and get that rare bird who's willing to actually spill the sweat and take the reality of it as opposed to the fantasy they walked in with. Well, yeah. there you go. And and here's the thing. Um, when it comes down to, to catch wrestling, uh, you know, in the recent years, it's often been, you know, 
publicized or whatever as this very submission oriented art and you know unstoppable brutal submissions and this and that and a lot of times when people come to me and you know they want to learn catchress and basically what they want me to teach them is oh can you show me that that fancy toehold or that or <laughs> I'm like no and I start teaching them basic wrestling skills and you know I can see it in their faces they're they're bored they're like I don't want to do this I don't want to be doing arm drags and work <laughs> you know yeah. But, that's what it is, you know? I remember yeah. being in high school and I was on, you know, I did some uh, wrestling, was on the wrestling team and stuff like that. And I remember doing shoots for hours, just yeah. trying to get the uh, single leg or double leg and stuff like that. And it was the most drudgery I'd ever imagined. And yet, at the same time, I was studying my Kung Fu stuff. And I was amazed years later how much that actually brought into kind of my overall principle-based fighting and, and understanding of, you know, this kind of thing. But yeah. it takes a minute for that to soak in. It really does. But, you know, but like you were saying, every once in a while you're, you'll be lucky and one guy will stick around for the yeah. rest of it, you know? True. So, you know, we're happy with that one guy. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Well, we, we've been running for about an hour. We could keep this up for a long time, but I, I try not to waste our guests' entire evenings when they come on the show. Not a problem. Um, I have no life outside of my wrestling, so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but definitely before we, we wrap this up, tell us, uh, explain a little bit more about what the ISWA is and you know how widespread it is and, and how people can get involved if they're interested in catch wrestling. Well, the ISWA, um, you know, it's the International Submission Wrestling Alliance. Basically, it's not a, it's not an association, it's not a dictatorship. It's just a group of like-minded people getting together and trying to push this art forward. You know, that's what it is. Uh, you know, we've got we've got uh, a lot of affiliates down in, in, in the United States. You know, people like Boyd Ritchie in South Carolina and so and so on. Okay. We have people in Australia. We've got uh, uh, people in New Zealand, Germany, and so on working with us. And um, I, I'm very happy to say that we've got a really, really good group of people working with us, and they're very dedicated and passionate about it. And they're not trying to make a buck. They're not trying to you know, sell it for something that it, it is not, you know, they're trying to push, you know, well, what we consider being the real stuff out there. Well, pimp your website in any events you might be coming well, up, you know? Yeah. If, if people want to learn more about, you know, where we are and where some schools are located, they just have to go on the iswa.ca website. And uh, the list of clubs is there. So if they want to look us up and, you know, maybe try their hand at it, you know? right. Now I imagine the CA is stands for Craig is awesome. Um, but for those <laughs> <laughs> unaware, it's probably Canada. So exactly. you, I'm happy to hear that you do have some affiliates down here in the States as well. Cause the majority of oh, our actually, listeners yeah, are we've based got down quite here. A few of affiliates in, in the States, uh, Virginia, Louisiana, Ohio, you know, we've got, we've got people all over. And, and the tournaments range around all over North America too. Yeah. Uh, like actually we're holding one in Texas. Uh, when is it in 17th of August? Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, right down in Austin. <laughs> oh, Austin's such a great place. Have you been there before? Austin City I've never limits. been, but I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, this will be the third installment we have in Austin. Basically what it is, it's a Sambo and catch wrestling event. Wow. Nice. Yeah, along with uh, Stephen Kefford, the ASA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've heard of him slightly. You've heard of him. <laughs> I recognize that name. <laughs> So, you know, basically the format is a gi, no gi event, but, oh. you know, it's uh, the gi event is Sambo and the no gi is the catch wrestling rules. So it's, it's very interesting. And you know? guys can cross compete, I'm assuming. They can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they, I'd say a good 80% of them do, you know. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't, we don't mix styles. But it's easy to go from one to the other, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Where your gi, you get tired, you get your ass whooped, or you hand it to somebody else, and, and then you take off your gi and go one more round. Well, there we go, you know? So it, it makes for very interesting events. And uh, then we've got another one in Montreal in September. We're working of, you know, putting some together in Australia and, uh, and so on. Well, here's the idea behind that. Do I have a minute to, to explain this? To you absolutely. Guys? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, given that, you know, the old rule set was a lot of times, like I said, they were, these were championship matches and, uh, that's why, you know, they could allow themselves to go for like a one hour time limit or even sometimes a no time limit or whatever. Right. It's not over till it's over. <laughs> exactly. You know, so trying to keep uh, uh, in line with that, because, you know, when when we started, you know, formulating the rule set for the modern, you know, ISWA catch wrestling events, and we were kind of drifting away from that, you know, and um so wanting to be true to, to the nature of the sport, what we're trying to do right now is I have events throughout the year, you know, through North America, Europe, and so on. And then at the end of the year, get all the finalists together for one, you know, championship bout and adopt the old rule set. Um, oh, I you know, like those, that. Yeah, because – then you can afford to do it because you're only going to have like a handful of fighters right. on spot, you know, cause like I was saying before, like last tournament we did, I think we had like 80 odd guys show up for the tournament. So we can't afford to do those one hour matches, but yeah. if you only got like maybe, you know, five, six matches going on, then it's not a problem. You know, then you can, then you can do it. Go Plus, you know, school. like I said, it, it would be a nice, you know, uh, nice nod to you know to the old timers and the old rule set and so on and what we're trying to do is um i'm looking at this for maybe next year 2014 of doing the first annual you know international championship and holding a uh with a with a substantial cash prize so basically we'd be bringing back you know real pro cash wrestling you know so the way be awesome to- <laughs> yeah, that is super sweet. I like that a lot. And you know, if that catches on, I can even see that maybe making some inroads into the, like the televised wrestling and stuff. You know, taking some of that back away from the from the pure entertainment stuff that goes on now, and and you know, turning people on to the to the old school. Exactly. I mean, you know, God permitting. I mean, that that would be sweet. I mean, I don't see that in the in the near future, but happening in the near future. But hey, who knows? You know. But, uh, you know, with our tournaments, I mean, that's 
that's our goal right now. That's what we're aiming for, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you would do something like that, like once a year and just, you know, how, how would you just quickly, how would you uh, determine who the top competitors were that would get, is it, would it be by invitation or, or it is would there be a- by invitation only basically the, the top two finalists of, you know, the divisions would be allowed to, you know, so you keep you get statistics at the tournaments throughout the year, and then oh, absolutely, absolutely, we'll yeah, everything. You know? I I see where Dave's coming from. It'd be it'd be tough to see because when you're talking about that extended time period and uh, you know the endurance and the stamina and all that kind of stuff, you really got to watch uh, those stats and 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 try to determine who you know do well here or be a good competitor or whatever. That's tough. And yeah, that's oh, so cool for for the elite guys in the, in in the sport, then it would also add another layer to what they're training for if they knew they had the potential of having to fight for a solid hour, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and I mean that's basically a type of conditioning uh we're used to working for. Uh so, you know, it would give them a chance to basically try it out and put it on the line for real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, I like that. You know, when it comes down to the conditioning part of the catch thing, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. You know, we want the guys to be in shape because, you know, those old timers were in great freaking shape. Oh, yeah, a lot of those guys were, were the bodybuilders of their age, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they, they were phenomenal. I mean, you know, I, I spoke before of uh, Eugene Tremblay here, and um, uh, it was a guy from Shikudimi, and. Uh, when he did his championship match in 1905 against uh, the American George Botner, their match lasted four hours and 24 minutes. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of conditioning we're talking about. I mean, it's it, these guys were freaks. Yeah. Oh, shit. I don't know if I could stand up that long anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I cannot, yeah. But well, and again, quickly. Uh, but well, shit, screw quickly. We can talk as long as we want to. Uh, there we go. But you've led me to another thing, which is uh, um, what is the conditioning like for that? I mean, I know the actual, uh, you know, just practicing the wrestling itself is is great conditioning. But do you like line everybody up for an hour before you start that stuff and have a specific set of drills and 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 body weight exercises and so forth that you do, or is how does that work? Great question. Actually, we do that with with uh, beginners, mm-hmm. uh, the conditioning stuff. With the, yeah, but the more advanced guys, actually, it, it may sound odd because I'm just talking about conditioning and how important it is, but I, I do absolutely no conditioning with the advanced guys. Here's the thing. With the advanced guys, when they come into a wrestling class, what they're getting is wrestling. Right. Now, the conditioning part is on their shoulders. You know, Indeed. and we have standards that we test them on. And, uh, I mean, they got to maintain their own conditioning drills. They know what they have to do because they went through the paces when they were beginners. So mm-hmm. they know exactly what they need to do and what are the standards we're looking for and this and that. And they will be tested on it every once in a while. And uh, so basically, if the guy doesn't do his conditioning, he's the one who's going to be paying for it. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. That sounds um, almost exactly the way that I teach my Northern Shaolin Kung Fu class because I, I'm huge on conditioning. Huge, huge, huge. Um, 
until you get to a certain level. You know, I teach them how to do these exercises, these drills and all that. And I even yep. give them little, you know, guidebooks on how to do it, you know, photo you know, all that. Yeah, junk. I'll tell you, back in the day, the first hour and a half of your classes was pure conditioning. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, absolutely. But you know, once they get to that point, then it's like you've got all that. If you're weak in the arms, you know what to do. If you're weak in the legs, core, whatever, you know what to do. Yeah, and now at some point to, yeah. to get into the, you know, the more technical aspects of the skill, you have to say, look, you know, I'm not going to waste your time in class showing you things that you should have learned in PE. You just have to do them. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, that's on you. You know, that's your responsibility. And I'm expecting you to do it. And because, you know, teaching just just a wrestling itself is so complicated. It's so long. It's so complex. You know, if we spend, like you said, like an hour and a half on conditioning, you know. <laughs> How long's the class? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'd rather have the guys, because I'm very big on drilling, you know. Mm-hmm. We'll pick, I'll pick two or three techniques for the guys, and they just drill them, you know, and they drill them some more. And when they're done, they drill them some more. <laughs> No, that's what it's about. You want to you want to get you know that 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 fine motor skill going. You know that muscle memory going. Mm-hmm. So you know the classes. That's what they're spent on. Usually, I'll teach them like maybe two basic uh, takedowns, and then we'll work on two basic de- you know defense for those takedowns. You know, but we'll just drill them to no end. You know. I've got a I've got a very unique question for you. This is probably my last question of the Craig, evening because I've got Craig, to dive. Don't, from don't the qualify piss. the word unique around me, please. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as very unique. But go ahead with your question. <laughs> unique up on it. That's how right. you catch a unique rabbit. Um, no, but honestly, it, this cracks me up. It's my only, well, you know, main. Uh, Favorable memory from high school wrestling is we'd be in the clinch, you know, from stand up, you know, getting ready to try to uh, drop or or whatever. Um, And somebody would slip in. And and this is something our coach taught us. And to be to be honest, I actually teach this in a different way. um, But the same principle to my Kung Fu students is if you're in the clinch and you're both going very. you're fighting for the position. You, you you both felt each other's weakness. You're both, you know, you're twisting the left, twisting the right, whatever. Yep. And then somebody slips in the hand and slaps that cheek. Do you know what I'm talking about? And and yep. my coach taught me that. I thought you I were thought going for ridiculous. the check in the oil move. Uh. No, that's only on Sundays. You know, you remember you dressing the heels, Dave. That's uh, you. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, for those special moments. Yeah, right. <laughs> those tender moments. But you know what I'm talking about, where you can drive the emotion up into the head and 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 flare them to to cause a uh, you know make a mistake or whatever. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. do that as well? We have a little flicking thing we do. Um, it's 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 actually it's, it's not so much of a slap, and it's halfway between a a slap and a hoping handed hammer fist type thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, if I just for example, I'd be clinching with you, and I'd have a head tie, you know, with my right hand, mm-hmm. and I would just flick like. The, the blade of my hand across the side of your face real quick. Oh, you know? uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Enough that, to get my attention. Exactly. <laughs> That's when I would shoot in or whatever it is I wanted to do, you know? Right, right. Put well, my I, mind there instead of where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got a lot of stuff like that going on, you know? 
I love it. Yeah, it's that whole thing we were talking about earlier about sort of pulling the magic trick on them, you know, making them give you something or creating a gap in their perception. So, you know, you can either make the quarter disappear or make them land on their ass. Exactly. That's why Bagua people are, you know, can disappear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Yeah, they talk about, you know, he disappeared and he was behind me. No, nobody disappeared. But, you know, if you get your hand in somebody's face and they're not familiar with the kind of footwork and, and, you know, positioning that you're doing. When the hand disappears, you know, the brain doesn't give you a perfect picture of what's going on around you. No. It interprets reality so you can absorb it. And, you know, yeah, you can surprise people by where you wind up. <laughs> That's not unique to Bagua. No. no. One little trick, uh, Eddie, you know, you would always catch me with it is um, a lot of times when we, we'd start wrestling and uh, he'd be doing uh, contact, you know, he'd be just uh, – basically you know slapping back my forehead you know with his palm you know kind of gauging the distance and stuff like that and every once in a while what he would do is right after smacking me in the forehead he would just kind of let his hand drop where his fingers would just you know lightly scrape my eyes i mean (laughs) he wasn't gouging my eyes or anything right it would just come you know right across my eyes so instinctively what do you do you blink <laughs> enough that's to freak you, you out. That's yep. my leg, you know. Yep. <clears throat> oh man. Yeah, this is too funny. Dave's Magua <laughs> does that crap. Did throw stuff in the eyes. I do that. This is hilarious. I never would have thought catch wrestling and traditional Chinese kung fu styles would have so much in common. You know, but the more people we interview, and I'm glad we're getting a lot of people in grappling arts and stuff like that, and because that's definitely one of the things that we were less schooled in, okay. and. and uh, just uh how how similar similar everything is you know <laughs> i mean it's you're dealing with human bodies you know in context well, exactly you know like like my good friend boyd richie keeps saying all the time unless somebody grows an extra arm or leg <laughs> you know there's only so many ways you can tie a guy up and take him down you know yeah true that's right that's we're we're trying to preempt that though we've already worked on the triple leg takedown here so we're <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, damn, Chris, this has been entertaining as hell, and we've had a great time talking with you. Um, uh, and is there anything that we may have missed in this conversation that you want to get out before we uh, before we stop? Yeah, how pretty I am. You know, I'm you're looking at your pretty. picture here on Skype, and <laughs> <laughs> you're quite a handsome devil. I must say. Well, actually, you know what? If, if I, I'd really be happy if people would just look us up. You know, like I said, iswa.ca, we're up to a lot of good stuff. I mean, we're all over the place, you know, doing tournaments and seminars and whatnot, coaching clinics and so on. And uh, we just love seeing people there, you know. We just love seeing people getting involved with it for, you know, for the right reasons. And uh, we just want to see this art grow again, you know. Yeah, well, we're definitely going to encourage our listeners to get out there and check it out. And I'm my interest is really peaked too. I, I'm I would love to see one of these competitions in person. So hopefully, I'll get a chance to do that soon. Yeah, definitely. Well, hopefully we'll be up in your. Where are you guys located? We're in the Atlanta area, southeast okay. Georgia, you know, just above Florida. Uh, okay. He's he's from Canada, not Mars. He knows what America <laughs> looks like. <laughs> It's us that can't figure out Canada, you know. I, yeah, I know where true. Nova Scotia is because the trailer park boys are there. And I, you there know. you go. That's a good call. <laughs> That's all you need to know. I think so. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, well, go ahead. 
Great, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, too, man. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It really has. beer up oh did you <laughs> no not me you know me i'm staunch um non-drinker <laughs> <laughs> horse shit is all i have to say to that um folks that was a fantastic conversation yes it was uh yes, it was. you know uh mr yatskovich oh i'm <laughs> i'm flirting with disaster Chris, we'll call him um I don't know. I just have to say that uh, this podcast, sometimes I get a little burned out because it's a lot of work on the back end. Right. And I'm, I never cease to be amazed with how much I learn oh, from no this doubt. thing. And you know, one of the things that I'm learning slowly as we do this is that we're all the same, folks. All this rip and tear in between traditional martial artists and sport martial artists or grapplers or... There's a bunch of superficial uh, bullshit, basically. Versus striker. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, when you talk to people who are serious about doing it, you the same themes keep coming up just with different twists on Yeah. We were talking about that in the Champagne Lounge just now. I, I honestly told Dave, I said, Dave... You know, when you told me who our guest was and what, uh, you know, he practiced, I was not looking forward to it. I was like, you know, that just sounds boring, so alien to me and everything else. Um, but after I got finished with that interview, I was sky high, man. I loved it. I love the guy. You know, he's on point. He's obviously um, very knowledgeable and experienced with not just his art, but just in human bodies and dancing the way we dance. And he was saying stuff that we say in, in weird, long, you know, archaic poems in Chinese martial arts. <laughs> He's putting in just plain language. And, and we've said this time and time again, principles, fundamentals, so on and so forth. And it was just a wonderful experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Chris, if you're ever down our way, we're definitely, we're going to, you know, uh, get a 12 pack of Molson's and uh, watch uh, a Trailer Park Boys Marathon. And uh, <laughs> we'll go out in the backyard. You down a dot CA path. <laughs> yep. You can come out in the backyard and twist me up like a pretzel, too. That should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it's one might. thing. It's, it's like I'm starting to get some inroads into this sort of thing uh, as far yeah, as direct you're, experience. You're doing some schwai a little bit. The schwai job, it's helping, you know. It's it's kind of a slow course of study. It's it, we're, we're in uh, David Lynn's old guy class, you know. <laughs> we're not looking to compete or do anything. He's just, you know, he has fun with us, and we have fun with him, and he just shows us some schwai job, you know. There you go. <clears throat> Oh, by the way, he's in uh, this month's Black Belt magazine. So oh, no if shit. you guys want to see who I'm talking about, if you don't know, then uh, check that out. Yeah. What month is this for the oh, publication? I don't know. It's the brand new one, though. Would it come out like in August? Or no, it's it... out. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Or they had somebody brought him a copy of it right. at, at our last class. So Sweet. <clears throat> um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I'm just amazed at how good these grapplers are and how tuned up they are to 
the martial arts. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It is, especially it with this guy. It makes me wish I had a better window into it earlier on. Oh, yeah. And especially hearing, you know, coming from Chris, the catch wrestling, he made a very big point of saying it's sportive. It's yeah. a sport, you know. It's where guys get together but and get strong but do this. But, but I would hate to run afoul of this guy in an alley. Plus, I've seen his picture on his sky. Exactly. <laughs> But the cool thing was, is, you know, we'd like to try to use all these big terminologies to differentiate mixed martial art, traditional martial art, modern, sportive, combative, battlefield, yeah. you know, whatever. And it was like, they all mean no. something, but they're all, they're all, you know, they all mean nothing too. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you know how to wrap somebody up and you're used to feeling sensitivity and you feel somebody shooting for your legs, whether you're a spear master or you're a grappler or whatever the hell it is but somebody's shooting for your legs and you trained hard enough you gonna know how to react to it just simply from a principle most likely the principle regardless of language is the exact same yeah and the ugly thing and the the elephant in the room is even if you know it still all comes back to the guy that worked the hardest oh hell yeah because his ace is gonna beat your jack queen or vice versa you know mm-hmm. <laughs> well and even that i mean you can have cats who are training you know it's the whole form versus application thing i can do a form of 20 gazillion times and get held up at gunpoint and i just freeze and pee my pants you know it's that uh how can you handle in the heat of the moment mm-hmm. and you know the competitive guys get a lot closer experience with that yeah because they're doing it all the damn time and that being said i hope there's some the odd grappler out there in the bunch or you know mma guy who is uh, starting to open his eyes a little bit to you know traditionalists aren't our all pajama wearing uh tofu eating yeah that's just me that's just me that's mainly craig (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, we were going to do a news segment, but we're running late, and uh, I, I very late. We've had a great time. man. I was cold when I started this show. I admit it, and I butchered some names there early on in the interview. But the more I talked to that guy, the more fun I had. Oh, so yeah, it's almost yeah. like I don't want to stop talking martial arts now. Hey, karate guy, let's do it. But since we're not going to do news. You know, what we could do is tell them, I'll tell you what, folks, when I search out news on the news for news of martial arts, it's a hard damn job. Because, Did you say news one more time in a row? Yeah, I'll say Schwinn. <laughs> it's backwards for news. Okay. And <clears throat> the interesting bit is that it's hard as hell. I've got all the, like these Google News, uh, you know, feed readers and all kinds of things for a lot of different keywords. Martial artists, kung fu, karate, grappler, all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. so that it automatically shoots me an update once Google gets aware of a news article using one of those terms. But I'm always missing out on stuff. And sometimes when it's slow in the world of, you know, raping your students and... Uh, yeah, I was going to say put pederasty in the search <laughs> terms. And- yeah, exactly. And this kind of stuff, um, it's hard on me. And, and I have to just kind of go out of my email box and go into Google myself and start throwing different keyword terms out there and click the news um, advanced search button. But I tell you what, in your neck of the woods, let it be Canada, let it be France, let it be China, let it be wherever. You get, uh, you know, your school or somebody else's school headmaster who's um, been uh, Tony Dickin and Harrian on the students or doing other things, or you have a bit of news that you just think we don't have access to, shoot it to us. Tell you what, shoot us an email at uh, mailbag. At mailbag, uh, mailbag at highoppodcast.com. We are not mailbag.com, Dave. <coughs> but we can Hi-ya. do it. <laughs> 
Mailbagatheyoffpodcast.com. And throw the word news into the subject line. There you and, go. And uh, that'll help cue me in that, hey, this has been news I can do some research on, and it'll come out in the next episode or two. The, the other thing I'll bring up is, uh, you know, Contact us on the Facebook page. Definitely get out there and write us some iTunes reviews, people. They've they've tapered off, and we need uh, inspiration. It's our oxygen. You need we need feedback from you people, and yeah. we're not always the best at managing it. I'll admit, I, I haven't put anything on the Facebook page or for the like Twitter a week. feed. The well, I'm That's working more on like it. a month, but I'm no worries. It, but I'm, I'm getting around. To our it. numbers are ridiculous, dude. We know we know our listenership. You're so is cocky ridiculous. about these magic numbers. I don't have any idea how many numbers. We're oh, really please! Got. I send them to you all the time. But the point is, we got like on the iPod or what do you call that? iTunes uh, review site. It's like you know, barely twenty. No, it's thirty. There's two pages. Okay, thirty. But we're way and we appreciate every that. one of them. They've all been great reviews. You. Thank you so much. And so join that exclusive club that's taken the two minutes to pop into the iTunes page, that's right? And leave us a little rating and review. We would uh, it 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 propels us. Yeah, and leave your leave your name if you want to be famous, or just leave a you know throat chop type thing. We'll get you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Judy Chop, man. <laughs> Call back. Yeah. I'm kind of glad we did away with the Judy Chops. <laughs> I know. Judy got old. All right. But well, she was still good in the sack. Well, we're just nattering now. The 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 good stuff in the show has already passed. So I guess we ought to shut our mouths yep. and let these people get on with the their lives. The good show was our guest. Yeah. Listen to him. He's yep. a wonderful guy. That What was it called? IWSCA? Something like that? Yeah. Well, it's all going to be in the show notes, isn't it, Craig? I wouldn't know. By like by the end of the week, you said. I don't remember that. Just start here and work backwards, okay? <laughs> we'll do it, folks. I apologize for the show notes being slow and getting going. Uh, but I'm Craig is holding it. the show notes hostage until you write us an iTunes review and rate. That's, that's all there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I see you what you. Oh, you're not lazy. You're crafty. Hey, you're not late. You're early. <laughs> We're not early. You late, lazy. <laughs> All right, oh. folks. Well, uh, on that note, we're going to whisper since the kid is already in bed. See ya. Version